Welcome to the Tanya Acker Show. Here is a sobering statistic. An estimated 15% of Americans are suffering from chronic kidney disease. My friends, that's roughly 37 million people, and a disproportionate number of those folks are African-American. It is a disease that hits the Black community particularly hard. Yet and still, I don't often think about my kidneys. I don't think that a lot of people do uh, until it's too late. So that's why I'm doing this program today. I will be talking about our kidneys with my good friend, Dr. Cheryl Rue. You've met her before. And also joining us is Dr. Vincent Anthony. He's a nephrologist uh, with the Kidney Care Institute. A nephrologist is a kidney doctor. And they are here to talk to us about keeping our kidneys healthy. Take a listen and stay healthy. Welcome to the podcast, doctors. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having us. I think about my heart, right? Like when I exercise, I'm told we have to work out because we have to look after our hearts. If uh, you like a little wine, you're told, look after your liver, look after your brain, learn new things. I don't think about my kidneys. What do they do? And should I, like, is there some magic that we need to know about this organ? It just seems that, like, if you're not sick and if you don't have kidney problems, it's an organ that you kind of don't think about very much. What are we missing? Dr. Ryu, you want me to take that one? What about you, Dr. Ryu? Oh, sure. Okay. Have at it. Um, Well, the kidneys are a very special organ, and they that they do many different things. The kidneys actually help us with the waste products that you're talking about, but they also help us with bone mineral metabolism. They help us with acid base status in the, in the body. They help us regulate every single mineral that's in the body uh, for the most part. I'm not going to say every single mineral, but about 99% of them, the kidney is responsible for regulating all of that. So this kind of happens like breathing without you even consciously thinking about it. So a lot of times with these diseases, with kidney disease, you really don't uh, feel it, you know. So you have to be concerned about it because the kidney does so many things to regulate the body. Dr. Rue, is kidney disease, uh, is it genetic? Do you develop it from bad diet or lifestyle? How does one get it and what is it? Right. So kidney disease can be actually all of that. But the most common causes of kidney disease, um, particularly in the black community, is high blood pressure and diabetes. Right. So even though, you know, African-Americans make up 13 percent of the population, we make up 35 percent of those with kidney disease. That's a big difference. And it's largely from having high blood pressure out of control and diabetes out of control. So when we talk about kidney disease, we talk about controlling those factors. Yes, there are some genetic diseases. There are some, you know, family history diseases that you inherit. But by far, the large and most um, common is high blood pressure and diabetes. 35% of kidney disease patients are African-American. That's a staggering statistic. So when you have high blood pressure or you are diabetic, how does that make your kidneys ill? How does that make them malfunction? What's the connection uh, between those two conditions and, and suffering kidneys? Well, remember, we talk about hypertension, we talk about pressure, blood pressure, right? So that pressure does not only affect the heart, it affects the kidneys as well. 
right? And diabetes, when we think about diabetes, diabetes is a circulation problem. So it, it squeezes on those blood vessels that go to all of your organs, basically. And so decreased circulation means damage to the kidney. And so that's, that's sort of the anatomy, anatomical part of it. But that's the same thing that diet does to our kidneys, too. We always talk about low-sodium diet, right? We always talk about eating a healthy diet, not so many fast foods, not high cholesterol foods. So all of those things through hypertension, through diabetes, will affect our, and damage our kidneys. And Dr. Anthony, what are some of the things that would be symptoms? So you're going through life, you think you're fine. Why would somebody know that something might be wrong that would be kidney related? What are the signs? Well, I'm going to say first off that there are five different stages of kidney disease. And so usually there are none. There are no frank symptoms of kidney disease unless something severe is going on. You really don't start seeing symptoms of kidney disease until stage four disease and you need dialysis at stage five. Right. So that's when we typically start seeing uh, symptoms. But doctors actually pick up on things much earlier than a patient actually feels them. So therefore, it's imperative that people go to their physician to actually pick up on these things before these things happen. Now, I want to get back to the meat of your question. The meat of your question is, is what symptoms are there? Uh, Sometimes early on in, in late stage kidney disease, Patients will simply have mood changes. They'll have depressed moods. Um, A a lot of things are related to the brain that happen with these toxins that people don't even realize. People get more sleepy. They want to sleep more. Uh, We call that malaise in the medical parlance. But also swelling in the legs is something that tells us uh, what's happening at the filter of the kidney. A lot of times people will start breathing a little bit faster or get short of breath, not necessarily because fluid is building up, but because the way the toxin is or the way the oxygen is exchanged off of the blood cell, which the kidney is responsible for helping to produce, that actually causes a problem as well. Sometimes people will have palpitations because the heart and kidney connection, as Dr. Ryu eloquently said earlier about the blood vessels, people will think that the heart is the main driving issue when it is. It's actually the kidney that is the main driving issue. So there are a myriad of signs and symptoms that go from the psychologic or depressive type symptoms to actually physical manifestations that that patients can see. Sometimes patients will uh, urinate more than they do uh, usually. Sometimes patients will urinate less and they won't understand. Sometimes people see more bubbles in the toilet is what I always get in my office. Uh, sometimes people will see blood in the toilet. There are a myriad of different things that people can look for. But again, these things happen extremely late in the progression of kidney disease. Usually it's a silent killer, just like we say hypertension is. Dr. Rue, how long generally does it take for kidney disease to set in? So a lot of people are diabetic. A lot of people uh, deal with hypertension. If you've got those conditions or otherwise susceptible, how long does it take for your kidneys to really, you know, for those conditions to really start working havoc on the kidneys? That is a number that comes with um, the severity of your hypertension or diabetes and how long it goes uncontrolled. 
right? So if you are a person where your diabetes is controlled, we always talk about the A1C. So if your A1C is controlled less than seven, then your chances of getting um, progressing faster to kidney disease or kidney failure, right, would be less. However, if your A1C is a 10 for the majority of your life, guess what? Your kidneys are going to fail early. And then that's when you see the 45, the 50-year-old in dialysis because your body cannot go that long with that much stress on your kidneys. So that, that all varies depending on the length of time you have uncontrolled hypertension and uncontrolled diabetes. And that's why the key would be to get those under control. What happens during dialysis? So when someone goes in to a dialysis clinic, what happens to them and what, like, what is going through their body uh, during that procedure? I'm going to let Dr. Anthony answer that. But I do want to say before that, that dialysis is the bridge to transplantation, right? It is a bridge. It is not the treatment. But um, Dr. Anthony, let you tell us what happens with dialysis. Well, there are different types of dialysis, first off. The main type that everybody knows is called hemodialysis, and hemo means blood. So we actually are, uh, the first thing that happens with a patient is that they have an access underneath their skin, usually called a fistula or a graft. And what we do is place two needles, one in the, the vein side of that fistula, and one in the uh, artery side of that fistula, the blood gets taken out, cleaned in an artificial kidney through uh, mechanics that we have, biomechanics that we use on that machine, and that same blood cleaned goes back to the patient's body. Uh, We also, we remove fluids in that. The patients actually dialyze against a bath, and what that means is that as we're taking toxins out, we're balancing the electrolytes and the acid acids in the body. We're balancing that out for the patient as well, similar to what the kidney does, but you got to understand the kidney does that 24-7. This might happen three times a week. If you're at home, it might happen six times a week. Okay, so it's it's a, a far cry from what your kidney usually does. But it's stepping in and doing the Correct. work that Correct. a sick kidney cannot Absolutely. do. Absolutely. Um, is kidney disease, and uh, maybe this is also uh, for you, Dr. Anthony, is kidney disease reversible? So say someone says, like, you know what, I just heard Dr. Rue and Dr. Anthony, I'm going to go get my kidneys checked out. I got kidney disease. Can they fix it? Can they turn back the clock on an unhealthy kidney? Well, the reason, the short answer is no, okay? But I'm going to qualify that. I'm going to qualify that because chronic kidney disease is, I mean, the word chronic simply means this is long-term, right? So true chronic kidney disease has been measured by a physician over time to say that their levels are lower. What often happens, particularly in our community, is that someone will have a little bit of a decrease in function and it'll be one time that they're seen and they'll say, oh, you have chronic kidney disease stage three. Why? Because we can put that number in a bucket. But real true chronic kidney disease comes over measuring this three and four times over three to six months and then we can call it chronic. But I'm not going to get into the politics of why I think that is, but uh, uh, so truly it, it is a chronic thing. When someone comes in and they have one number, a lot of times that can be reversed because it's really acute kidney injury manif- and someone has 
falsely called that chronic kidney disease. The acute kidney injury, I always teach my patients, is reversible. So that's the first thing I'm going to look for when they walk into my office. And we're going to not just look for it one time, we're going to continue to look because I've had acute kidney injury in my patients on average last about six weeks when they do get it. And so I need to continuously check to see what I can do to reverse that. There are other medicines and I tell people foodstuffs that you can do to hold it at bay or actually reverse it a little bit because there's there seems to always be a little bit of an acute component to even those people who have chronic kidney disease and anything that has like lots of antioxidants in it. I, I always use blueberries, for instance, because they are packed full of antioxidants. And I studied the kidney in a lab, right, when I was in, in fellowship. And one of the astounding things that happens with any antioxidant is that it starts to shut off the chemical that causes scarring in the kidney. So I tell my patients, eat a bunch of antioxidants. I mean, cruciferous vegetables, broccolis, and things like that actually are loaded with that stuff. And so sometimes you can reverse somewhat, even when they're called chronic kidney disease, okay? But uh, in the main uh, that answer is that answer is no when it's a true definition, as I pointed out, of chronic kidney disease. So how does one get acute kidney injury? I mean, that sounds like something sudden and traumatic. Exactly. How does that happen? That, a myriad of ways, a myriad of ways. But one of the most one of the most common ways is to be dehydrated, right? Uh, and the kidney kind of shut down. If you think about it, the kidney is saying, I, I'm supposed to balance the water in your body, but you have no water in your body. So I'm going to shut down and not work right now. Right. And that will send uh, some some numbers up or respectively down based on what the doctor sees. And that is a type of acute kidney injury. So dehydration is one cause. Another cause is sepsis or infection anywhere anywhere in the body. If you get an upper respiratory infection, that sets off some kidney diseases. If you have a, a dental abscess, that can set off some kidney diseases. So the kidney is, is, I call it the second brain. It really feels everything that's happening in the body. So you can get acute kidney injury from a myriad of things. Dr. Rue, uh, Dr. Anthony just reminded us to eat blueberries, which to me sound like the cure-all for everything. I mean, blueberries are going to make you smarter. Blueberries are going to protect they you. Uh, they're going to protect your kidneys. Get blueberries. So we know that's job number one. I'm assuming that other things that people can do that would help prevent kidney disease or help uh, reduce its acuteness. You know, the things that if you're controlling your diabetes, that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. If you're controlling blood your pressure. blood pressure, like exercise, do those things. What are some other tips? Like what are things that people should think about when they're thinking about kidney health, which by the way, isn't something I ever thought about until I started working on a uh, special project with my friend, Dr. Rue here. So what are some of the things that people should be thinking about? I think you mentioned all the top ones. I know you get tired of doctors always saying diet and exercise, but without question, it's diet and exercise. Oh, I mean, th those are, they come up in every time we study something, every, you know, we try to make it different or throw something else. It's always diet and exercise. So why does exercise help? Because it's circulation. 
right? You're, you're moving things, you're moving the blood and it has to be consistent. So, you know, I'm not asking you to lose 30, 40 pounds. I'm not asking you to run the LA marathon. I'm asking you if you commit to three or four times a week, you got to keep going three to four times a week because it is that consistency that helps you. And then with our diet, we, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables, not just those blueberries, but blueberries are important. Um, you know, I pick up that large blueberry thing every time I go to the store because they are important. But you need all fresh fruits and vegetables, right? That's a lot better than processed foods, you know, the things that we kind of get quickly, you know, in our busy schedules. But you, you have to balance it with the fresh fruits and vegetables. All of those things help. And then in our um, population too, salt. Salt becomes a very big factor. We have to limit the amount of salt. We really do. Because of the high blood pressure risk? Because of the high blood pressure risk, yes. That that, in, without question, is a true source. We are seeing high blood pressure in younger and younger adults and in children, I might add. And a lot of that stems from our diet. You know, a lot of that stems from the diet. And so if you imagine if you're diagnosed with high blood pressure, just think about your 20s, you know, are you going to be the greatest at taking your medicines? 25, you're going to a party, 30, you're not, you know, but, and so by far, you're having high blood pressure out of control for many more years than the person who just was diagnosed at the age of 50, right? And those are the people we're seeing going into chronic kidney disease. It's really something to think about because when you point out the fact that with respect to kidney disease, like so many other things, diet and exercise are a key part of the solution. And then you think about so many parts of certainly the Black community, so many Black communities in, in America are really bedeviled by these food deserts where you can't find a fresh blueberry, you know, within a mile radius um, or, and, or fresh food. You know, a kale salad costs you more than three fast food burgers. I mean, you know, those are real uh, kind of problems that I think make healthy living sometimes cost prohibitive uh, for people. But it's not that hard to take a walk, Dr. Anthony, right? Like just doing some small things to keep your to keep the blood moving. I mean, just small things can help make a difference. Oh, without question, eloquently said. Diet and exercise is the core of every single thing we have in medicine. I can't think of not one disease that those things do not help, right? And so it it, it sounds like a broken record when patients come into us. They just kind of roll their eyes and we say, "Oh, you need to you need to get out and walk. You need to do." Yeah, it's kind of roll their because they know that we're going to say it. They know we're going to say it, but absolutely, and, and you bring up food deserts, that, that is uh, a very important topic in terms of all diseases, but specifically kidney disease in our community, um, because as we've said, both of us have said, that diet plays an extremely big role. So the socioeconomics of what happens in our community then impacts all of our health, particularly the, the, the staggering rates that Dr. Ryu actually just talked about uh, in terms of who gets kidney disease. The, the rates of end-stage renal disease are astronomical in our community. 6,600 uh, patients per million population versus 1,200 or 1,400 patients per million population in the white population. It's terrible, but it all comes back to us getting health education out there like you're doing here, which I, I commend you for doing this, 
but the second reason is, is we have to really look at socioeconomics and sociopolitics to really understand how institutional racism has plagued us in medical training, as well as how that uh, how medicines get disseminated uh, to our community. And when I say medicines, I mean healthcare system is what I should have said. It, it really plays a role, and doctors particularly have a window onto that world and need to collaborate more with community to be able to do just that. And so we could lower rates in our communities if we actually knew root causes like you just alluded to. Uh, food deserts is a big, big problem all across the country. I'm working with a group uh, in Alabama who's trying to close the gap in the food deserts there in and around the capital city, which is like ridiculous to me. I commend you for bringing that up. But, you know, uh, this, this is something that we all need to work on because the heart disease that hits us, the kidney disease that hits us, the diabetes, the hypertension, cancers, all facets of medicine affects us greatly. And a lot of that is diet and exercise. Un, you know, no, no way to, no other way to cut it. There's no magic. There's nope. no magic None. pill to it. It's diet None. and exercise. Right. Is there a routine test that people should be getting, right? Because we're told as women to get mammograms, you know, get your heart checked, get all of these. Uh, there's, there's, there are a number of routine measures uh, that are recommended for people just to know, to kind of stay in touch with where the body is. Is there a kidney test that everybody should be getting as part of their regular physical? Definitely, there is. So actually, there are three different tests that you want, and you get them routinely. Everyone gets them routinely. But the problem is that you are not aware of that test and you are not aware of the results. And so we also know that part of this disparity in kidney disease has to do with the referrals of primary care doctors to a nephrologist, to someone like Dr. Anthony. So um, like he mentioned before, is that by the time he sees a patient, they're already at stage three or stage four, right? And that's not good. When pretty much the primary care doctor has seen that beforehand. So the two tests, one is called a creatinine, and one is called a glomerular filtration rate, which we commonly call GFR. So those are two blood tests that are pretty much done routinely. If you go to urgent care with any problems, they do those tests. If you have your annual physical, they do those tests. But again, you need to ask your doctor and have a discussion, you know, what is my GFR now? What was it last year? You know, is that changing? Is that good? And then the other test would be a urine test, a urine analysis. So that's, you know, when we take the urine and we analyze that. So, but those tests are important, but more importantly is to have a discussion with your primary care doctor about those tests and those results. And Dr. Anthony, what is something that people need to know uh, about their kidneys, about keeping them healthy? You know, we've talked about diet, exercise, and uh, uh, Dr. Rue just mentioned the GFR and other tests. But is there anything else that you really want people to take away from this podcast about kidney health, kidney disease prevention, anything else? Final word. Keep us healthy, sir. Final word is ask questions. Ask questions. You know, I, I've uh, written a book on for patients, 
and on the back of that book, it has 10 questions that you can ask your doctor. A lot of us, particularly in our community, are intimidated by asking their doctor questions. You feel that this person should know or this person doesn't look like me, so I'm not going to ask them any questions because I'll just get put down or something of that nature. We hear it all the time. Uh, there was a study put out uh, just recently by the California Healthcare Foundation or California Health Foundation that actually talks about how to talk to black patients, right? And so one of the things I tell patients all the time, ask questions. If your doctor doesn't answer your question, it's time to bounce. It's time to get out of there because you need to understand and be aware of your body. And so those 10 questions include, what is my creatinine this time? Not just, oh, it's fine. No, what is my creatinine? So you can create a track at home. Hey, my creatinine was 1.0 this month. And then this month it was 1.2. And then I went in three months later and it's 1.5. Doctor, doctor, this trend is bad. I know it's bad, but even though it's not, you know, late stage kidney disease, you can help your primary care doctor by simply asking the question and tracking these things yourself. Same thing with the GFR that Dr. Rio mentioned. You track your GFR the same way. You track the protein in your urine the same way. It's about having information and data and following the data yourself early on. There are too many of us going on dialysis early. It's too, way too early. Okay, so uh, that's what I would say the takeaway is, is you ask your questions, you collect your own data as well. Ask questions, ask questions. If your doctor makes you feel uh, not good, then you uh, do what Dr. Anthony said and bounce. bounce. We only have one body, y'all. We got to take care of it. We only get one. Let's make the best of it. Dr. Rue, Dr. Anthony, I am so grateful to both of you for being here. Every little bit of knowledge about this amazing instrument that we all have is so much the better. So thank you for giving us more information to keep ourselves running smoothly. Dr. Anthony, Dr. Rue, really appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us and thank you for helping us get the word out. <laughs>